0: All right, everybody. Hey, I just want to thank you guys for coming out to our very uh, first first service video venue. It's exciting. I also want to say uh, hello to all of you that are worshiping with us online as well. It's going to be an exciting day today as we are continuing our current teaching series called Guardrails. And so, where did we even get this concept of guardrails? Well, guardrails—the concept—it comes from the literal guardrail that sits on the side of a road, right? That keeps you on the road and doesn't allow you to like journey off of it into some zones that are probably pretty detrimental to your own physical health and well-being. Um, you know, we've we've come we've come to learn a lot of things though about guardrails over these last few weeks, and we've learned that guardrails are really there to protect us. Right they're they're not uh, they're not there to harm us guardrails are there to protect and also to guide us and when guardrails are ignored we've learned that wow there can be some serious potential for harm and destruction that will happen even to our own lives However, guardrails are not just these physical things on the side of the road as we journeyed on our vacation this summer, or maybe you're on vacation right now, Um, but we've also learned that God has guardrails as well for our lives, and that his guardrails are found throughout the Bible, right? Because God's guardrails are not suggestions, God's guardrails are really his commands, They're commandments. These are things that God says in his word that we have to do. And if we don't live by these things, then, wow, there's incredible destruction and harm that can come even to our spiritual lives. Uh, But here's the thing, right? God's God's guardrails are, are amazing. They're incredible, and they're birthed out of his love for us. And God's not trying to keep us from some kind of really super fun thing. God's trying to protect us from the harm that we could cause ourselves when we don't live according to his word and when we don't live according to his plan. So God's guardrails are from God's incredible heart of love for us. And the whole premise of this teaching series is, uh, is also birthed out of something that Jesus coined. Jesus is the one who said it. He's the one who, who uh, verbalized these words first in a very famous sermon next to the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee, obviously in Israel, is where a lot of miracles happened for Jesus. The, the birthing point of his ministry happened around the sea. I happened to be there a couple of years ago. It's a beautiful place. A famous sermon that Jesus is speaking called the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus helps us understand why guardrails are really so important. So I just want to go back there. We've been reading this verse every single, uh, every single week, and I want to go back and I want to read it one more time so that we really get inside of our heart. Why are guardrails so important? First off, Jesus is the one who said they were. So check out what Jesus said in this passage, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, it says, Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. For for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, right? And many will enter through it. That's unfortunate. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few are ever going to find it. So here's my objective for this teaching series. It's to help you find and stay on the narrow road. Why? Because the narrow road is the only road that leads to life. So basically, my objective is to identify for you some of God's guardrails, and even probably more importantly, to entice your heart to understand that God's word is full of guardrails, right? And if we live by those, that's staying on the narrow road, Right? If we're outside of them, we got to figure out how to get inside of the guardrail so that we can lead to life. That's the objective for myself and from our, our teaching team here at New Life. Um, so listen, if, if we say something that steps on your toes, if we say something that challenges you and it kind of gets underneath your skin and you get a little agitated by it, please know this. It's because we love you and we care about you. We want you to be on the narrow road that Jesus... Jesus said, unfortunately, few find. I want all of you that are hearing my voice right now, I want all of you to find that narrow road, and I want you to find it because it's going to lead to life. right? And I want you to win. But to win means you've got to get on that road, and you've got to stay on that road. So we've been using Matthew chapter 23 as kind of the... The passage of scripture that we're, we're, we're trying to highlight some of the guardrails that Jesus really spells out for us. Now, please know, the entire Bible is full of guardrails. I've already had people from our church coming to me saying, as I'm reading the Bible, I'm reading it with new lenses. I put like I put on a different set of glasses and I'm reading it fresh and new like I've never read it before. And they've said to me, man, Jeff, God's, guard, God's word is full of guardrails. And I'm like, yes, that's right. The entirety of the Bible is God's love letter to you and me going, guys, here's what it means to stay on the narrow road that leads to life. Please choose it, live on it, and love it. And so since we can't preach the entire Bible in one teaching series, but we do it hopefully over a lifetime, then we're only choosing to look at Matthew chapter 23. And today we're gonna be in verse 23 and verse 24 that Jesus is speaking and he's helping us understand here's some incredible guardrails. So let's go to that passage of scripture and look at it. It says in Matthew 23 that Jesus spoke these words, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees. And then he says, you're hypocrites, right? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. Like, like, you know, the small things that we still have today, like dill, and mint, and cumin, and all of those little herbs that kind of spice up a meal, uh, they kind of go unnoticed because they're, they're really so dinky and so dainty and so small. Jesus says that you guys give so much attention to those things, you, you, you got your eyes focused on these little itsy-bitsy things. But then he goes on and he says this, but however, you ignore the more important aspects of the law. What are the more important aspects that Jesus is driving home? He says justice, mercy, and faith. You you do all these little things, but you ignore the really, really important things of what? The law. So what he's saying is this. You're ignoring the guardrails. The guardrails of justice, mercy, and faith. Then Jesus goes on to say these words. You should tithe. See, so when we talk about tithing, it's not just our words. These are the words of Jesus. right? So you should tithe. Yeah, keep doing that but do not neglect the more important things, right? And then he said, he finishes this by saying these words. Blind guides, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow in that. You focus on all the little tiny things, but instead you swallow a camel. (laughs) I can only imagine, you know, what went through their minds when Jesus gave them that verbal mental image. But there's been something that I've been really kind of wanting to address this entire time of this teaching series, and that's the the verbiage that Jesus is using. Jesus is speaking to religious leaders, and he's saying these words: "You guys are hypocrites, and you're blind. You're blind fools. You're blind guides. You're hypocrites." And I, I just wanted to say to some of you, because I know we have a church that's full of seekers. These are that means that you're a person that you maybe have yet to commit your life to Christ, or you're new in your faith, and um, some of you have been burnt by Christianity in the past. You've been burnt by spiritual leaders, and you've looked at, you've looked at people that call themselves Christians, and, and you look at their life, and you go, you guys are hypocrites, And it's kind of tainted you and it's driven you kind of away from pursuing God. And it's maybe even put up a a block between you and God for, you know, doing and becoming the person God wants you to be. I want you to know this straight. Jesus doesn't condone and he doesn't approve of hypocrites. He says it strongly. And what I want you to hear today is this. Don't let the hypocrisy of some other person that called themselves a Christian determine your spiritual future. Don't do that today. Let that guard down. Know know that if you've been burnt like that in the past, you're on a good team. You're on Team Jesus. Jesus doesn't condone it either, and he recognizes how harmful it is. That's why he's saying there are some guardrails, church, all of us that are here today, there are some guardrails that we have to live by, or otherwise we have the potential to wound and inflict spiritual damage on others. But I want you to notice very specifically the issues that Jesus highlights um, in this passage, because Jesus doesn't waste words. And he says, listen, with the more important things, the more important guardrails you guys are missing are justice, mercy, and faith. Now, I wonder to myself, Why? Why would Jesus identify these particular things out of a whole host of things that he might have wanted to address? And when you look at it, you see, you see two paradigms taking place in just three words. He highlights justice and mercy. Well, justice and mercy is like Jesus asking these spiritual leaders multiple questions at one fast moment by two words. Basically, when Jesus brings up the words justice and mercy as, as, as potential guardrails for them, he's asking them this, hey, guys, are, are you really leading with the right motives, right? And he might be saying to them, are you treating other people that you lead with fairness? And he was also saying, you know, are you guys really showing true compassion to others? And he was also probably driving home the point that, you know, are you guys considering the real needs of others, it was first all about others. Like, you focus on these little things, but you're not focusing on people. And God loves people. And if you're going to be a spiritual leader, or you're going to call yourself a Christian, then we're going to have to wrap our heart around the fact that God loves people, and he's asking us to do the very same thing. But then, very quickly, he says, and it's also the guardrail of faith. And faith, faith is talking about their personal relationship with God. Isn't that so interesting? that Jesus was talking to people that are supposed to be the Christian leaders, the godly leaders, and he's saying to them, you guys have forgotten about the guardrail of even faith, putting your complete trust in God. And he's basically saying to them, do you guys really even know God? It doesn't even sound like you really know God. And he would also maybe be saying to them that, I'm not even sure that you guys even really care about pleasing God as well. And so then Jesus uses that illustration that I just love. Uh, I love it. He, he says to them, let me help you understand what I'm trying to say. You, you, you strain out your water or your wine for the little gnats, the little bugs that get in it. But you're literally walking around swallowing a camel. And so Jesus is clearly saying to them that, you know, you guys, you, you've determined what makes you look good in the eyes of others. But you've missed the most important thing. And Jesus is saying that, you know, your guardrails are set in the wrong place and Jesus he might be saying that to you and me today you know I mean you're here yes you you identify you call yourself a Christian or you call yourself a seeker of Christ but are your guardrails really set in the right place and so then Jesus says so let me give you some new guardrails when he says justice mercy and faith let me give you new guardrails love God and love people what now Here's what's amazing. Love God and love people, that's something that, that's something that is a core value of Jesus. Jesus drives this home multiple different times. We've heard it because it's identified in a statement called the, you know, the Great Commandment. The Great Commandment, where Jesus says the most important thing that you guys could ever do, if you can't do anything else, do these two things. Love God and love people. It's the great commandment. And so this is where we find Jesus in the context of this, of this scripture. So in essence, if we were able to look at you know, verses 23 and 24, what would we identify as maybe the, the one big guardrail? I think Jesus, Jesus would be helping us by saying that, hey guys, I got a big guardrail. So watch out for this guardrail. Watch out for self-defying Christianity, self-defining Christianity, self defining. Basically, it's, it's when you set the bar for what Christ centered living is instead of following God's plan. That's what you found these spiritual leaders doing. They were focusing on these little things, saying, oh, these are the things that evidently really matter. When, you know, God's word never talks about tithing from an herb garden, God's word talks about tithing from the main grains. He talks about tithing from your business. He talks about tithing, you know, from you know animals and those types of things. But you guys focus on these little things that I haven't even addressed, but you miss the things that I made as the cornerstones of Christianity. And we can do that in our lives as well. You know, so just a couple of days ago around the church, I, I started this thing called the fitness challenge. And the whole staff, the whole staff is doing it. Uh, and it's, it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's staff, it's the spouses of the staff, and we're just going on this fitness challenge to see who can take the most steps. So if I preach and I'm taking a lot of steps today, it's because I'm trying to, I'm trying to rack these things up because I'm trying to win. Um, so just excuse me if I walk back and forth. It's all about the fitness challenge. And then the, the other thing is like percentage of weight loss. And I just thought to myself, I would like to get in a little better shape, so why not lead that way, and let's all go on this journey all the way up to November the 18th, and we'll get, we'll get like ripped. You're going to have a ripped staff. It's going to be amazing, and then we're going to go into the holidays. I have no idea what's going to happen after that. Um, but it's all about healthy eating and healthy living. One thing I know about myself is that if you leave healthy eating just up to me and to what, what I would define as healthy eating because I'm no expert by any means. I would leave things on there like chocolate. Because I would say, well, it's dark chocolate. You know, dark chocolate's gotta be, it's gotta be good for you. I'm not talking about milk chocolate or chocolate with peanut butter, although, you know, peanut butter's not bad for you either. I would also leave on there probably cheesecake, right? And I'd say, that's, now nah, that's still gotta be healthy eating because it's cheese. I mean, come on, who's ever called cheese not healthy and then I would I would definitely uh, you know I would definitely leave on there maybe ice cream as well because I don't get a lot of dairy any other way so I need to keep my dairy in, you know flow coming through the ice cream and then last but not least I, if I was defining healthy eating which I have before and it's had these things in it I would also include Chinese food Chinese food has to stay on there because you know how it goes you eat a Chinese meal and two meal, two, two hours later you're still hungry again so. It can't, it can't really hold that many calories, right, with the deep, fat, fried little chunks of uh, chicken in a sugary sauce. It can't be really that bad, uh, but it, I would leave it on there. You can quickly see that if I self-define what healthy eating is, it's not going to be healthy eating at all. I could be fooling myself, and at the end of this fitness challenge, if I live by my own self-defined healthy eating, I'm probably going to lose the entire challenge. I may, not even, I may not even lose any weight. I may put a lot of steps on. So what I should do is defer to the experts, the experts in nutrition. And what they say is healthy eating, if I were to adapt my life to what they say, I would be more likely to be truly eating healthy. And then maybe, maybe it might be better for me. It might help me become you know, physically what I, what I think God wants me to be as my body is the temple of God, right? So I, I could probably do a lot better if I just deferred to the experts. And this is what happens even in our Christianity, right? We, instead of deferring to the expert, God, and to his word, we, we decide what we think ought to be the most important and live by it. So we self-define our Christianity. And Jesus is saying To these Pharisees, guys, that's a massive guardrail. Don't go over it. You're going to cause yourself destruction and harm. But what really causes us to step over that guardrail and cause destruction to ourselves? It comes basically from two lies. The first lie would be this, that a little bit of obedience to God is better than nothing. Have you ever found yourself saying those words, man? Like, well, I'm okay. I mean, I do most things right? Or I'm a good person. I mean, isn't God going to honor me as being just a good person? That's a lot like saying a little bit of obedience to God is better than nothing. But the truth of that is this. It actually taints you and it harms you. It corrupts your heart when you self-define what Christianity is. It becomes detrimental to you and to others. Here's what happens. You warp your mind and you warp your heart to who God really is. And you start, you start to believe a lie that Jesus somehow condones certain sin because you are attempting to live right in other ways. And that's never true. It's never true. Je- Jesus doesn't look at your life and go, well, you got these things right, so I'll let these other things slide that's going to get us in trouble. We're going to step over the guardrail and cause harm to ourselves. So it it warps us. But here's the real detrimental part. Moms and dads, you know, business leaders, managers, people who call themselves Christians out in the community, If, if if the outsider or the person who is outside of a relationship with God looks at you, they're going to look at you and say, you're a hypocrite, and they're going to say, wow, well, if that's what it looks like to live for God, I don't want anything to do with it. And unfortunately, even in pastor's homes, we have a lot of PKs, we call them, pastor's kids, who drift away from God, right? They, they walk away from God because, because they've seen a twisted example of, you know, some amount of obedience to God is better than nothing. And if that's our attitude, our self-defined Christianity is going to be warped and it's going to corrupt us. But there's also the second lie, right, that you got to sound like an expert, and if not, then you're weak. Or you're ignorant, kind of like me earlier on, right? When I'm talking to you about my, my health challenge and I, if I defined what healthy eating really is, I could come across like, yeah, I'm an expert, like, you know, dark chocolate and cheese and dairy and those kind of things. But in the end, you, you really just sound more like a fool and it would, it would do us a lot of good if we would just confess we don't know the answer to all of the things and all the timing about God. If we could just come to the point where we say, I don't have to sound like an expert on everything, especially the things I'm not an expert at. You know, like God, like God maybe right now. like you, you don't have to be the expert. You, you can figure out God along the way and you can help people. So it, it's, it, confession of that is, it's healthy for us. It humbles us. It helps us to realize, hey, we're not God, right? And we need God. Um, the honesty of it, like I just don't know It's healthy, especially if we're going to continue to pursue God and we're going to seek him for his answers. Now, what's not healthy is, I don't know and I don't care. Now, I don't want you to go there. Don't go to, I don't know and I don't care. That's not healthy at all, but it is is okay and it's actually healthy when we don't know just to say it. It's humbling, but it puts you in a spot where you can seek God for answers and God will help you not self-defined Christianity God will lead you to his word and he'll show you where the guardrails are because guess what guys God wants you to live on the narrow road that leads to life so how do you know if maybe this is who you are or you're not well one indicator that would maybe help you see if you've jumped over the guardrail you know of self-defining Christianity would be what I'm going to refer to as the soapbox of righteousness Soapbox of righteousness is when we pick out one certain certain area or certain parts of Christianity that we feel more, most passionate about, and then we just stand up on our little soapbox of righteousness, and we drive it home. We drive it home even to the blindness of truly loving God and even loving others. And a lot of the times, the soapbox of righteousness that we stand on, it, it normally puts all of our attention on a single action than the condition even of a person's heart. And so we stand there on our little soapbox of righteousness and we can we condemn people for their actions that we see in God's word, but we never take into consideration, am I loving God by this action? Am I loving others by the way I'm dealing with this? And I, you see it a lot in our lives. And it almost kind of like gives us this self-significance, like I'm better than others because I've got this little area figured out Right? But it, it's, very, it's very religious in its mindset. And uh, it, it's, just, it's wrapped up in what we refer to as a legalistic mindset. It's where we, we point out little faults in others, but we're not even noticing in ourselves that we're breaking the great commandment of God in doing it with our attitude. Because I love your passion when, when we are sold out to you know, following God and we're definitely sold out to God's word. And I, I love the passion you know, behind it, especially you know, when you can identify you know, how we need to live and you, you can see some of the guardrails. I, I love the passion behind that, but passion can be very blinding to the bigger picture. And it can even cause you and me to major on things that are minor. That's what Jesus was dealing with. Jesus was dealing with a group of people that were majoring on the minors instead of majoring on the majors. They lost sight of the guardrails completely. But that's what happens when we feel like we have the liberty and we have the right. And somehow we justify our self-defining set of rules for Christianity. Instead of giving ourselves completely to God and to his plan. And just admitting sometimes, I don't have all the answers. But I want to know, God, where your guardrails are. I don't want to be guilty of setting my own, right? And if if we live with the attitude of this soapbox righteousness, it blinds us so badly that it it will just lead us right off the cliff, break through the guardrail, and take us right down into a a big area of destruction. I, I I googled, actually, this week how many people... And the scenarios that happened when people just blindly followed their GPS, right? And what destruction became of them when they just followed the GPS, regardless of what they could see out of the front window, it it was amazing. There's three young ladies um, that were riding in a rented Mercedes, of all things, following their GPS, and it drove them straight into a lake. And they did it. They drove straight into a lake. I could not believe it. That's when you're blinded, right? There was three tourists in Australia from Japan. These guys had their car, and they're driving around. They're trying to get from point A to point B, and it takes them down this road, and then all of a sudden, they end up on the beach, and it drives them straight into the Pacific Ocean. True story, they drove straight into the Pacific Ocean. I I couldn't believe it. The news reporter went back and tried to reroute that path, and sure enough, the GPS unit drove them straight into the Pacific. It's one thing to follow the blindness you know, that that GPS, it can't see out your front window. It's another thing to look out the front window and see where in the world you're going, right? There was an Austrian limo driver who was driving a passenger who wanted to go to a shopping mall, and it led him right down a flight of stairs. Can you imagine looking over there while you're drinking your coffee, you know, in Austria, and, you know, having some kind of a croissant, and all of a sudden this, this big, beautiful limousine comes bouncing down the stairs, here yeah, because the guy followed blindly the GPS. But the best of them all was a caravan, four or five vehicles that these guys lived in Utah and they wanted to take a road trip down to the Grand Canyon. So none of them had been down there yet, and they they have one guy who has a GPS, and so they start on the journey. It's basically straight south from where they are, and they're following the lead car who has a GPS. The lead car it takes them off of the interstate, off of a paved highway onto a dirt road, and then onto these what we would refer to as four-by-four paths, right? I mean, these things don't look anything like a road at all, and they're rugged, and these guys have their minivans and their cars, and they're going all over the place, and they're getting stuck, and have been getting themselves unstuck, but they just keep blindly following the GPS down these dirt four-by-four paths until it leads them literally to a cliff. They have to spend the night in their own cars, And then 25 of them, that's how many there were, 25 of them blindly following the GPS had to be rescued the very next morning. See, if we try to set the guardrails, right, we're like that GPS. We can't see everything, we don't see clearly out the front window all the time. It's like we are looking at life with a lens that's foggy. We need the leadership, we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's why we need God's word because God's word won't lead you to a cliff. God's word won't lead you into the ocean of destruction. God's word will help you to avoid those things. But that means that we have to, we have to cherish and we have to love the guardrails that God puts up. And the scary part for me is that it's possible for myself, it's possible for you, it's possible for us to be right about one thing in God's word and be passionate about it. Like, you know, these teachers of the law, they were passionate about their tithing on their herb garden. It's possible to be right and really right about one thing, but to be missing the true heart of God. The true heart of God. Like, we could be missing, missing compassion towards others. We could be missing forgiveness towards others or grace towards others. We could be missing a heart that's passionate about seeking and saving the lost. And we could also get so wrapped up into one thing and be so right about it and thinking that we're on the narrow road that leads to life and miss out on something that God wants in our heart, which is to love him with everything, to love him with everything. So How do you avoid self-defining Christianity? Well, avoid it by loving God on his terms and not your terms. His terms, not yours. In fact, here's what 1 John chapter 5 has to say about it. It says that loving God means keeping whose commands? His commands. Loving God means keeping his commands and his commandments, watch, they're not burdensome. See, I, I, sometimes we're afraid. Sometimes to be all in and say, "God, I'm all in for you." Right? That I'm going to give up my portion of what I of obedience, and I'm, I'm going to give into your full portion of obedience. Sometimes, so, sometimes we're a little afraid to do that because we think that God's commands are going to be burdensome. But God's saying, "No, my commands they're not burdensome." Listen to those words. They're not burdensome. There's nothing. In God's word, that's going to be so heavy that it's just, going to, it's just going to steal away all your joy. In fact, it works just the opposite. Since God's guardrails, his commands, are not burdensome, that means when we choose to live on the narrow road that leads to life, we also choose to live on the road that leads to joy. We choose to live on the road that leads to peace. We choose to live on the road that leads to true happiness, not just the things that make you happy on this earth, right? Right? And when we do that, we get a chance to discover way more about God than you ever dreamed possible. I mean, God is amazing. God's fantastic. You only discover the real true depth of God when you choose to say, God, I'm going to stop this self-defining nonsense of just doing what I think is right, doing what I think pleases you, doing the few things well, but missing the real heart of you. God, I want to really know you. So pray today and say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me follow the commands of God because I want to be on the road that's narrow, that leads to life. But you can also avoid self-defining Christianity by, watch, loving people God's way. Remember, those were the two things. Love God right on his terms and then love people God's way. Here's what Jesus had to say about loving people God's way in John chapter 13. So now, now Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Love each other. Love each other just as I have loved you. You, you guys should go and love each other just like I have loved you. What I find interesting about this passage of Scripture is that Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Now, this commandment was really already written about in the Old Testament. They already knew this command about God saying, I want you to love others. When Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a new commandment, what he's really saying is this. I'm giving you a new intensity about loving each other. And how does he identify the intensity? He says, I want you to love others the way I am loving you, oh, and watch this, in the way that I am going to love you. How did Jesus ultimately love us? He gave up his life for us. He went to the cross for us. Jesus is saying to you and me, hey guys, here's that new intensity, right? Here's what it really means to love others. Love others sacrificially. That means when it's hard to love others, still do it. Right when you're justified not to love them, huh, still do it. Right when it's when it's really hard, still do it and he says, "Love people even beyond their faults." It means love them with a grace, a grace-filled love. Like Jesus loved us, when the Bible says that even while you and me were still sinners, Christ died for us, that's loving us beyond our faults. And that's the kind of love that Jesus is saying, show others that type of love. So how do you avoid slipping slipping beyond the guardrails and going into this self-defined Christianity, where our culture is so permeated with this idea that, you know, I can define truth the way I want to. How do you avoid that? Bending your heart towards loving God with everything inside of you. And recognizing you don't have it all figured out. Your number one move is to move toward God before you even move towards loving people. And from your move towards loving God, then God says, You know what I love about that? I love the fact that now you can even help me and you can be a part of the mission of loving people. Those are the two critical things. And and here's the beauty of it, right? When we follow God's commands and we choose to live within the guardrails, there's an incredible blessing. In fact, Jesus even pointed to part of the blessing in the very next verse from what we were just reading. Let's go back to that, John 13, but now let's read 35. He says, okay, look, your love for one another is gonna do something powerful. It will prove to the world that you're my disciples. You know what some of the blessing is when we choose to live inside of the guardrails of God instead of self-defining our own guardrails? Some of the blessing is this, that the world is gonna see Jesus in you and through you. That's awesome. Now you're a part of the greater mission of God. The community around us your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, some of them could be sitting next to you in church right now, or maybe they attend new life. But you, you know, you've created an on ramp for them to get onto the narrow road that leads to life. When we love God with all of our heart and we love others, we proclaim to the community that Jesus is alive. And it's like we build an on ramp so that people can get onto the narrow road that leads to life. Their life will be transformed for eternity. So, and just wrapping this thing up. You know what's amazing to me out of this message today? It's amazing to me how many pieces of life could simply be healed, how many areas of our lives could be quickly turned around, how amazing two simple things are in correcting and adjusting so many components of our life. Loving God with all, and loving people like Jesus did. I think that we tend to make Christianity more complex than that many times. The guardrails of God are because, because He loves you, the guardrails of God are established because of His righteousness. And we can fix a lot of things in our life, we could bring a lot of contentment, we could bring a lot of joy and peace. We could bring a lot of fulfillment if we would just simply bend our hearts toward loving God with all and then loving people like Jesus does. During our time of worship, because our worship teams are gonna come up any second now, that we're gonna be making a move toward God. And what I wanna encourage you to do is this. Make a move toward God in your heart today. Pursue his presence above everything else right and let your heart today let your heart be saturated with the love of jesus make a move towards god today this is your opportunity to say god you know it could be that god i I just i love living inside of your guardrails if that's you or it could be making a move towards god right by just saying you know god i want to be in your presence i i I feel like there's many areas of my life where I've moved the guardrails out. I, I want to come back in because I want to be, be in your presence. It, it, and it could be just simply that, God, I, I feel like I've been walking outside of the guardrails. Forgive me, I'm coming back inside of the, of the guardrails that you've set, your commandments. I want to be on the road that leads to life. Saturate me with your presence. Saturate me with the love of Christ. You make a move towards God today, by jumping onto the narrow road or thanking him for being inside of the guardrails. And I guarantee you, you'll experience the presence of God and you'll sense the saturation of your heart of the love of Jesus towards you. And that way, you and me, we can walk out of this church today with an increased love for God and for people. Well, why don't you stand with me and let's pray today. Father, Father, We thank you that you you give us the opportunity to have relationship with you because of the love that was shared to us through Christ. Lord, if it wasn't for that love, that gracious, compassionate love that was shared to us, that we would have no hope. And today, Lord, forgive us for the many, many moments when we've defined what righteous living is, when we've defined what we think pleases you, when we've defined the things that you're gonna be um, you know, good with if we just don't obey those. God, forgive us. Forgive us. We are not wise like you. We are not smart in your ways. Lord, forgive us for our self-defining Christianity. And may we, may we cease the insanity And may we surrender to you. May we run to you, a gracious God, with arms open wide. May we run to you, and God, just sense your presence today. Sense your embrace. There's so many things that could be fixed and healed in our life if we would just simply love you with all of our heart today. And we would let you put a love in our heart for others like your son Jesus had for humanity. So many things. So many things would be fixed, and so much clarity would be brought to the guardrails so that we could live on the narrow road that leads to life. Now, God, bless this church and bless bless these people that have come to worship today. As we seek you and as we walk into your presence, may they literally sense you and let their lives be changed by you. In Jesus' name, amen.